everyone. Welcome back to the third episode of UCC's Talking Pictures podcast. Now today in studio I have with me Erin Goulding who is a very good friend of mine and also a very talented musician. Today I'm going to be talking all about film scores and my favourite composers with her. So just before we get started let's introduce Erin. Erin how are you? Can you tell us a bit about yourself? I'm good thank you. Yeah so I'm a first year student in UCC. I'm studying arts. I have been studying music for most of my life. I um, did grades in piano. I have performed with choirs since I was 10 and I am obsessed with music to be honest and the only reason why I didn't continue it in college was because I just thought for myself it's not really where I wanted to go with my career because sometimes you lose the love for it if you do it as a career so I wanted to continue my love for it outside of college, which I have done, being part of the UCC choir and doing this as well, you know, doing an interview on music composers, which is like my jam. So yeah, I absolutely am in love with movie music. It is probably what I listen to most on Spotify. I was 0.05, top percent <laughs> 0.05 of listeners for Hans Zimmer for the last three years in a row. Okay, I see this is turning to a bag contest, Foyner, and I see how yeah. it is, but you go for it. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just really excited for this conversation, and I think we've picked out some really, really good pieces for you to listen to, so... And would you say that any of these composers have inspired you in terms of music or just in your daily life? Yeah, definitely. I think that there's something with music that can't be said with words. It transcends any language barrier and it's like an international form of, you know, emotion. And it's definitely inspiring to see what these composers have done. I would definitely listen to this kind of music as I'm studying or in the gym or just on the day-to-day because I don't know there's something about it that just drives me and you can almost see the movie happening as you're listening to it because it's just so like it just explains it so much and there's just something so inspiring about the whole thing that can't be said with words. Speaking of inspirations I just have to mention Erin is actually the reason that I'm doing this podcast and we met back in December I think it was I think it was, I was celebrating 12 pubs for some reason. Yeah. And we met in Conway's Yard through a mutual friend. And I think about half an hour into the conversation, we just got into music. Yeah. And we were like, oh my God, you listen to Hans Zimmer? Oh, that's so underground. No one's heard of him. I'm pretty sure the other girl we were with is kind of like, okay, these yeah, girls are kind of weird. For sure. Because I don't know, people just don't know him at all. And we started like fangirling out yeah. of nowhere. And that's what the whole night led into just talking about movie music and yeah and then two weeks later we went on a holiday together no I'm joking this is like planned beforehand that is not the reason why we went on a holiday (laughs) we did happen to go on a holiday together two weeks later but yeah so that's how Erin and I became friends and the reason I started this podcast was actually because Erin is one of the presenters for the Commerce Society radio slot on Thursday from 11 to 12 is it yeah and she did such a good job that it inspired me to email the radio station and be like hey guys do you like have a free slot for me and they were like no but we can give you a podcast and I was like podcasts are for losers <laughs> <laughs> but then I decided to do it and that's how I started this up so we have Erin to thank for all this you're welcome guys yeah. you're welcome that's why she's a really important guest and no one else who will come on after is ever going to compare but you know <laughs> we'll see about that that's just how things are anyway going back to music we're going to start with one of our favourite composers who is Thomas Newman. 
Now, Thomas Newman would be known for doing scores for American Beauty, Finding Nemo, 1917, The Shawshank Redemption. Are there any others, Erin, you like by him? Skyfall. Oh, and Skyfall. Road to Perdition. Now, I've never oh. seen Road to Perdition, <laughs> but the music says enough. I actually agree with that because I haven't seen it either, but I love that soundtrack. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I've seen the movie just by listening to the soundtrack. You know, you can almost see what's happening. Even though I've no idea what it's about, I feel like I've seen it because I've listened to it. There's one particular song from that film. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Oh, this is going to bother me now. I'm going to have to look it up. The one that I've been listening to is just called Road to Perdition. I think it is. Is that the one piano? Yeah. Yeah. I love that song. Yeah. It just takes you on a bit of a journey. And I feel like all these conversations are going to be so cringy because <laughs> of the language that I'm using. But it really does take you on a bit of a journey. I know. I know that film stars Tom Hanks also. Maybe yeah. you should see it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, himself as an actor. Now, I know we're not talking about actors today. Yeah. But he's definitely up there. Yeah. In one of my favourite actors. Tom Hanks was tended to be in good movies during that period, so you should probably see it anyways. But yeah. you should just listen to it for the music alone. I also think the Finding Nemo soundtrack, that's also something that I absolutely adore. Like, I really like that soundtrack. And if you listen to it, you can almost hear the water. There's just something about the way that he's he's done the instrumentation that you know that it's taking place in the sea because it's, it just feels really watery and like you can hear, you can almost feel the tide going in and out. And I just think that's another thing with movie music that it adds something extra to the film and it communicates to the viewer of the film in a way that goes past just the visual, mm-hmm. you know? It's definitely one of those things where when I listen to it, I always wonder... What instruments are they using to play this? Like, it's Mm. so... I'm so jealous of the ability to actually replicate, like, an actual motion or object. Element, even. Yeah. Yeah. Through music. Like, it's actually crazy. Yeah. it. You can feel the movement in the music, and, you know, it helps the person seeing the movie to be more involved in what they're seeing because they can feel it through the music as well Mm. as seeing it. I love the Shawshank Redemption theme. That's amazing. Just really heavy on the cello. And it, it ties in really well since The Shawshank Redemption is one of my favourite films of all time. Have you seen it? I have n- I have yet to see it. I've heard it's really good. That's it's okay. definitely on the bucket list. And if Thomas Newman did the soundtrack, then I, I'm going to put it top of my list. But um, yeah, and even I heard, you know, he was talking about Skyfall. And everyone knows that the James Bond theme is so well known. And he found it quite difficult to keep that you know at the center but also to develop something new and I think that's an issue when you're like following on from something that's so well known to kind of add your own personality Mm -hmm. into it but um I think you know the Skyfall soundtrack as well as Finding Nemo there's such movement you can feel the intensity and you can feel the pace the move the movie through the music that's being played alongside it. It's actually really interesting because I'd say Skyfall is considered one of the best James Bond's films. It's definitely my favourite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then tying it in with such a great soundtrack, it's just yeah. meant to be, you know. You just feel the intensity mm-hmm. much more. And even like, yes, m- music does add something to a movie, but the lack of music can also add something. You know, if you're in a really intense scene and there's no no music, it's even more intense. You feel it even more. Um, so it's not only the addition of music but the subtraction of music as well Mm. it's actually really funny you mentioned that this is a bit off topic but my friend Ava who also works in the radio station she 
is reading to music. She's actually in a band called Pyro. But she was talking about how in horror films, there's like this subconscious, there's like this sonic sound just before a jump scare, which makes like your body tense up. Mm-hmm. You know when it's coming because yeah. the music is gone. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's why I think, you know, when you know the m- music to a movie, you know what's coming because I find myself jump scares are terrifying. You like it, you can feel it and then the adrenaline, it's like, oh my God, get me out of here. But when you hear that the music is gone, you know what's coming so you can prepare yourself. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, when the music gets more calmer, you know, okay, I can relax now yeah. because everything's going to be okay because the music is taking me in that direction. And that, you know, that connection to connect the viewer to the, to the movie in a more intense way through the music is really important. Yeah, it's just really amazing how music can almost guide how you view the film and you don't realise it either. Yeah, it does it subconsciously. You know, and it, it makes you more involved while you're sitting there and you don't even know what's happened. And I think that is so special, you know. And then, you know, you listen to the music after the movie when you're just doing your own thing and you're, you, it brings you back to that place that you were in, you know. Well, stop it. There's some of my favourite films ever when there's a climactic moment and there's a specific song. I'll listen to it again to get that feeling back. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about John Powell later, but I will say what the music that we're going to play for John Powell, I was actually listening to it in the library before we came here and I just got transported to that moment in the movie and I felt like so uplifted and inspired. I was like, oh my God. And I felt like I was in that moment. I felt like I was in the movie and it's just so powerful to to get that from just listening to the music. Do you have like specific m- moments or like time frames where you can be like, I listened to this song during this period because you had such strong memories associated with it? Yes. When we go on to talk about Hans Zimmer later on, I have a very strong connection to the song that we're going to play. And I'll talk a bit about that later because I want to focus on Thomas Newman right now. But I would certainly connect moments in the movie moments in my personal life therefore that song that's being played is reflecting my life at that time so I feel an even deeper connection just through the music that's so amazing Mm. so just finishing off on Thomas Newman we're going to play a quick song for you so we're going to play Come Back to Us which comes from the 1917 soundtrack 1917 came out in I think it was 2019 directed by Sam Mendes and it is absolutely brilliant war film i'm actually not a big fan of war films lately i feel they're quite repetitive sorry this is me kind of dissing all quite on the western front but <laughs> i actually do love 1917 so nothing against that but that's a brilliant film you should truly check it out so we'll just play that for you now and i hope you guys enjoy it
Okay, guys, I really hope you enjoyed that. I know I certainly did because Air and I tried to start a conversation while listening to it and then we both stopped because it was so good that we just ended up listening to it in completion. Yeah, it is so moving. I am so inspired after that. And I actually did a bit of research before we came in um, about just the making of the music for this movie. And there was no cuts while they were making the movie or something yeah. like that. So the rhythm of the pieces had to be determined on the day and then it stayed like that. And the music makes you feel this, as a result, it makes you feel like this continuous propulsion that you get while watching the movie. And it propels the action that you see on the screen. And I think the piece of music that we just listened to there was played at the very end of the movie. And you can feel like the intensity of everything that had happened up until that point and the emotion that the actor was feeling and the character was feeling. Um, and everything that he'd come through throughout the whole movie, you can feel all of that in that five minute clip there. And it's just incredible how much emotion was portrayed within that one piece of music that can sum up the entire movie. Yeah, like that's exactly it. I find it so amazing as well. Do you feel that composers have like signature oh, things definitely. in their songs that you can tell that it's theirs? Definitely. Yeah. I think... What I was saying about Thomas Newman having that kind of watery feel for Finding Nemo, you can hear that specifically in Road to Perdition. It is Mm -hmm. not a copy because that's not fair to him because it is extremely different, but you can feel the trait of that kind of movement of like the tide in Road to Perdition as well. Mm -hmm. And now I don't know the storyline of Road to Perdition, but I know that for Finding Nemo it fits in perfectly. So you can only imagine that it fits in perfectly for Road to Perdition as well. But you can feel the movement of kind of a body of water almost, you know, the tide coming in and coming out and you can almost, you can hear it there in 1917 as well. I mean, it's just like the movement is so similar, but so different because of the instruments that are used, you mm-hmm. know? It's actually just so insane. It's very similar to American Beauty as well. He's using completely different instruments, but you can just still tell that yeah, it's Yeah, you can, you can, it, there's something so signature about his. I feel like Hans Zimmer, all of his ones are completely different. But I think Thomas Newman has this really signature style where the movement is just flowing perfectly. And it's very signature to him and him alone, because I don't think anyone else can replicate that at the moment. So yeah, I just, it's incredible. Yep. So anyway, that's us done with Thomas Newman for the moment. We could talk about him for days, but we'll have to move on. What we're going to do is we're just going to do an individual episode on each composer and it's going to be two hours long and you guys are just going to have to get over it. Yeah, you thought you were going to listen to us (laughs) talk about four different ones, but it's actually just about Thomas Newman today. This is a commitment, guys. You're going to be signing up for every composer we talk about and you're going to have to live with that. That's what you get for listening to this podcast, okay? Anyways, we're going to move on to, I think arguably the most prolific composer of our generation the last generation and that is John Williams and the reason I say that is because if you listen to a playlist by John Williams even if you've never seen the films that he's composed you will recognize the song from everywhere I mean there's Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Harry Potter, Jaws there's just so many and I found that it actually, I was listening to his playlist yesterday in preparation and every song came on. I was like, I did not know that he did this. But yeah. yeah, what do you think of John Williams? I think that he really created the groundwork for everyone else to work off. As you said, think of a famous like soundtrack to a movie and I will give you 10 euro if he didn't compose it. I mean, <laughs> like he's done everything and he's really laid the groundwork for 
people like Hans Zimmer and John Powell and Thomas Newman to build off of. And I think he is really, I mean, the godfather of movie music. Um, to take something as simple as Jaws, I mean, that's just two notes in repetition. But to be able to build such a sense of like anticipation and intensity in two notes is incredible. And we will be playing one of arguably the most, I mean, world famous piece by him in a second. But I mean, it's just crazy how we could, how one person could come up with so many famous um, pieces of music that will be world known for forever, really, for eternity, because the movies are going nowhere. They're still very popular. I mean, Harry Potter is played at Christmas, you know, every Christmas, and Hedwig's theme is so recognizable. So, yeah, it's crazy how one person could do so much. Mm -hmm. Like, I was listening to the Philosopher's Stone, the soundtrack to that yesterday, and it just brought me back to that time, I'd say different film but when Harry Potter and Deadly Hallows Part 2 came out and it was just such a different time in my life where things were so simple and everything was so nice and I was just like god I really wish I could go back to that there's know? something so childlike about it because mm-hmm. I feel everyone associates it with their childhood yeah even if you didn't grow up when the movies or the books were coming out I mean you still read them as and see them as children so there's something so like childlike and nostalgic about it and even if you've never seen the movies there is still something so nostalgic it brings you back to that place when you're younger and everything is exciting and everything is magical um so yeah yeah there's just it's so nostalgic to listen to that to listen to john williams music and to transport you back to a time and place where everything was so simple Mm -hmm. and it's really interesting too the variety in his music because similar to thomas human he has a lot of similar elements in each of his songs he tends to use very heavy orchestral music but then you also have songs like the imperial march which is <laughs> sorry i completely forgot that he did star wars yeah. oh my god yes that is crazy you just unlocked a memory there i completely forgot about that wow yeah i actually didn't know he did the imperial march either for some reason i knew he composed the music for the films but i i didn't associate with that because it's so unlike him Mm. and it's such a dark menacing theme everybody knows that theme and i'm just thinking how can one man be responsible for so many hits i know he's really he really has laid the foundation for everyone else to work off and he's set the bar very high now to be fair i think Hans zimmer would give him a run for his money personally mm-hmm. and Zimmer is just incredible but John Williams certainly really set the set the bar very high in terms of soundtracks for movies and there is just something so extraordinary how like everyone most people are on the planet for the same amount of time but how this guy could do so much with that time that we're all given mm-hmm. you know it would really inspire you to like just grab life and just do what you want to do because you love it so yeah it's crazy It's actually interesting you mentioned that because I remember there's this quote, I won't say it exactly, but it was for Schindler's List. uh, Steven Spielberg asked him to compose it and John Williams said, if you wanted someone to compose it, you'd need one of the great composers like Mozart. And Mm. Steven Spielberg was like, oh, like I would, but they're all dead. So he's basically saying you're the only living great composer there is. Actually, though, do you think that part of his fame has to do with the fact he was attached to Steven Spielberg who at the time had such big films like there's been no other director with such a great run as Steven Spielberg like Star Wars, Jaws, E.T. like Indiana Jones even all of these Mm. things 
just happened to be massive hits and John Williams happened to be the composer attached to them? Do you think he'd yeah. be as big? I mean, certainly it's all about who you know. In this world, you have to have the connections if you want to go far, especially in the movie industry. I mean, if you don't have the right connections, you're going to go nowhere. I think certainly John Williams, extremely talented, so prolific and profound. And while I think it certainly helped him to get to this kind of world-renowned title that he holds, um, but I also think like that talent is natural and pure. And I think even if he didn't have that connection with Steven Spielberg he still would have done extremely well now maybe not as well as he did in the end but I think that natural talent can't be replicated and I think that if they didn't have that connection Steven Spielberg would have went out of his way to find someone like John Williams and it probably would have had the same you know turnout in the end I think that kind of level of natural talent is something that's very hard to come by and I think you can't take that away from him in his career so that's a really good answer I like it he's actually nominated for his I don't know how many Oscars he's won he was nominated on Sunday for a best score for the Fablemans but they actually lost all quite on the Western front but it's still pretty crazy I think because he's 91 years old and he's still being nominated for Oscars so yeah not gonna lie I didn't know he was still alive (laughs) (laughs) if I'm being quite you know you can cut that part out because no no he was not no longer with us that's what I thought no don't worry we can keep this in (laughs) anyways So just to finish off John Williams, as we've clearly very respectfully know so much about and have gone into such intense detail, we know him so well, we'd never get anything wrong about him. We are going to play the theme from Schindler's List and I really hope all of you guys enjoy it as much as we do.
Sorry, I feel like a Jake Peralta from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I'm just like, chills. <laughs> literal oh chills. Oh my God, literal chills. There uh, is something so different about that. Mm-hmm. Just before we finish off on John Williams, what's your favourite song slash movie his song was featured in? Hmm, I am obsessed with that, Schindler's List. I think that is something that I feel like should have been li- written by Mozart. You know, I just feel like that is so classical. I love it. Um... I also love um, Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. really like that, and I love all the stuff from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Those would be my top three, I would think. What about yourself? I think my definite favourite is from E.T. I think it's called, it's either Chase or Escape, but it's where, you know, they're cycling the bikes, and there's all these guards coming around to catch them, yes, and they just yeah, fly yeah, yeah. over, yeah. and you see them like flying through the sky, that's actually my favourite one of my favourite moments from films ever so I think that's my favourite one by him Yeah. but also as well the Imperial March now that I've yeah. listened to it I'm like that is such a banger mm-hmm. like. definitely you can almost feel like the tension mm-hmm. coming from it like be taking that out at ho- house parties I don't yeah, care people stop. Yeah. people need forget to forget your house music like you yeah. just need a bit of John Williams to get you going yeah guys you, you need to be more cultured come on <laughs> no, I'm just joking you're probably cultured enough if you listen to this yeah fair enough Okay. Anyways, we're moving on to our next composer. He's one of your favourites, isn't he? Because I remember he's the first person you brought up to me. John Powell. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely, to me, for me, it's Hans Zimmer is number one and John Powell is number two. <laughs> and the soundtracks where they have collaborated are just better again. Mm-hmm. He's a protege of Hans Zimmer, isn't he? Is he? Yeah. Mm, that would make sense. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, no, I love him so much. And I was watching some interviews with him yesterday and he's actually very funny as well. I feel like I know him on a personal level after that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like after this, they're instant friends. Yeah, There's definitely. no choice here. Yeah, he definitely knows who I am like. Yeah, John yeah. Powell, if you're listening to this, you and Aaron are just tied together. There's yeah. no choice now. <laughs> what would you say is your favourite piece by him? I have two favourites by John Powell. My first one will be in the first scene of Kung Fu Panda 2. It's called Ancient China slash The Story of Shen. And that, the title says it all really. It just takes you through a journey of, you know, the evil character's past. And I feel like the the instrumentation is really authentic to that Chinese style and culture. And I really, really like that. It takes you on such a journey. And How to Train Your Dragon... Um, test drive or coming back around I love 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 the Scottish influence I think it adds so much power and intensity and I get literal chills like goosebumps every time I listen to that piece of music I just I it's better than any inspirational video or talk it just listen to that after two minutes you will be ready to do anything honestly it's actually kind of funny you mentioned Kung Fu Panda 2 because I have to admit I didn't see it until last week Stop. with a bunch of friends. I, don't, I just pretended for years I saw it because I wanted to fit in. No way. <laughs> what did you think of it? Oh, I loved it. Oh, like, it's, it's a great so film. Yeah. But it's really funny because people go confused with it. I love that film so much. And I'd be like, oh yeah, I've definitely seen that <laughs> film. And you're like, oh, Faker. Shannon, you have such good taste. <laughs> I definitely don't do that with mm. other films though yeah definitely yeah, guys don't yeah. ask me my opinions on any films <laughs> ever outside the podcast but uh yeah panda 2 is a great movie mm, can't wait definitely. for kung fu panda 4 well okay i think the first two kung fu pandas were the best the third one for me was very juvenile i thought the storyline was really it's too simple the music i really do like mm-hmm. but i just wasn't a huge fan of the storyline 
So I'm not too excited for Kung Fu Panda 4. I just think they should have stopped after 2. Because mm-hmm. it is one of my favourite franchises for a kids movie. And yeah. I just feel like they went a step too far. But love the music. It's really funny though. Because Kung Fu Panda, I feel, is like the franchise that everyone seems to love. Like there's, you know, sometimes there's a stigma around adults watching animated films. that would be like, mm. oh, this is for children. But if you bring up Kung Fu Panda, they're like, oh my God, I love it so much. Yeah, there is something... I feel like you can appreciate them even more. I think when you're at, when you're an adult, because you kind of you get the more deeper meaning of mm-hmm. it. But Kung Fu Panda Two, John Powell and Hans Zimmer collabed on that soundtrack, so that's why I say that because it's also associated with Hans Zimmer. But I think it is primarily John Powell. I'm yeah. fairly sure. Yeah, but what would you say your top John Powell? piece would be i have to say it's a is a test well, no, wait for coming back around okay. because the the ending there's like the last 15 seconds is like oh my god it's just the scottish influence is just so powerful but anyway once again test drive is like one of those songs where people i know who haven't watched the film or who don't listen to composers they know that song yeah couldn't i think it became did it become like a tiktok sound there or something it was going around anyway i know exactly what you're talking about yeah like i was in a trampoline competition like a month ago and two of my teammates they were talking about it like one of them knew and the, the other person next to her said oh my god i love the song and i was like how do you people know this yeah it's very cool though <laughs> actually they're making a live action of how to train your dragon how do you feel about that i know i saw this and i could not be more outraged i am unbelievably outraged I don't know, is it because they can't come up with new ideas for kids' movies? But leave it alone. It was so good. There is no... Like, how the hell are they supposed to do a live-action dragon, realistically? Know. They're very expensive. And I'm not saying this in, like, a way it's, like, obviously they're expensive. But if you see the budgets for House of the Dragon or Game of Thrones, so much money of it goes on to the dragons and it costs mm. hundreds of millions. So I have no idea how they're going to do it as good level for a TV show. For and then, like, is the music going to stay the same? Or are they going to have to come up with a new soundtrack? Or is it going to be, like, the same storyline as the first one? I don't know. Like, what is the story? Like, leave it alone. Just come up with something new, please. Mm-hmm. Don't ruin something that we all love. You know, is John Powell going to have to go off and do a new movie soundtrack? Like, just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. I am so outraged. I think they did the same with the Lion King remake yeah. and the Mulan one. Now, I didn't see them because I didn't want it to ruin it for me. But I just, like, come up with new ideas. The live action remakes aren't meant to be great. No. That's why I just left it alone because, you know, I love Lion King and I love Mulan. And I just didn't want anything to interfere with that. Um but no, I just am not happy about it at all. And I would definitely will not be going to see it. Mm-hmm. And I will discourage anyone else from going to see it as well. <laughs> I would actually tune into it if it's good. It is from the same creators. Like It is. It's all the same. Well, obviously not the same actors for the yeah. characters because yeah. they're all adults. Like John Powell's coming back and the directors are. So I'll check it out if it's good. But if I feel like it's one of those things where they don't really care about it and they are just doing it for the money, that's where I'm like, yeah, it's not for me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I think we'll move on to our next John Powelton track, unless you have anything else you want to say about him. I just have one thing to say about Test Drive, that the thing that makes that piece of music so powerful is that throughout the movie, up until that point, there has been Hiccup's theme, like his piece of music, his theme, and then there's been Toothless's theme, right? So up until this point in in the movie... These themes have been like clashing because they're not like in the movie, they're not connected, they're not working together as a team. But then for Test Drive, it's the first point in the movie where they're working together in collaboration simultaneously. 
And they've done that, they've mirrored that in the music and they've made these two themes come together and harmonize with each other. And that's what makes it so powerful is because up until this point, the themes have been like clashing and now they're like working together like they are in the movie and it is so much more powerful. And that is why it hits different. I actually didn't know that at all. My God, that's actually insane. A bit of music analysis for you there. It is the two themes of the two characters coming together to make it even more powerful and make it even more like just wow. God, I love the stories behind songs. Yeah. Like that's amazing. Also, just to mention, John Powell was actually nominated for an Oscar for the soundtrack, which is very unusual because animated films don't tend to be nominated, but I think it just shows the strength of the soundtrack and random people also knowing songs from the soundtrack just yeah. shows how good he is. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely yeah. a student of Hans Zimmer. Definitely. And um yeah, I know we were talking about it there about like, you know, mirroring the music and to what's going on in the screen. And you know, like throughout the the throughout the movie there's be, there's like interruptions, you know, things go wrong, things happen, there's an interruption in the music. And I was watching a video with him yesterday just explaining how he gets that interruption to be like such a shock. He'd do a key change or he'd do something new you know, you'd start the sentence and then cut off. You don't just cut off at the end of a sentence because you know that's going to happen. He wants you to, he wants the cut off to be a shock. Um, so he wants to do something new, start a new idea and then cut off. So you're not prepared for it so that it hits even harder. So you're not expecting the jump scare. You're not expecting the whatever. You're not expecting Hiccup to fall off the dragon, you know, because the mu- the music is taking you in one direction and then all of a sudden... It's taking you somewhere else, which just... It's a complete contrast to what we were saying earlier about music kind of guiding you as to where to yeah. go. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, they can use it to their advantage or not. Like, thank God now with horror movies, I'd feel like the music isn't really there. Yeah. Like, it's not as technical. But, like, for this, it's so good because, I mean, like, it just takes you on a journey, but you don't really know where the journey's going. Mm-hmm. So I really like it. If they did that for a horror film, though, I actually wouldn't watch them anymore. Yeah. If I didn't have preparation, <laughs> yeah. I'd feel so tricked. Yeah, for sure. So John Powell, don't. Yeah, compose. don't compose a soundtrack for <laughs> so a horror movie, please. Please, I'm not going to see it. If I see his You're name You're too smart it, for that. I'm specifically going to be like, guys, don't see that film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bad advertising. But anyways... So just to play a song of John Powell's now, we are going to do Coming Back Around, which apparently is a combination of Test Drive, but extended a bit longer. Yeah, it's an extended Test Drive and the end has a Scottish influence because in Test Drive, it stops abruptly because, you know, he's fallen off or whatever. So this is just, it's, in my opinion, it's a better version. I'll leave that up for you to decide, but I prefer this version of Test Drive. Okay, I trust your opinion. Cool, so... We'll just be giving that a go now and I hope you guys also enjoy this very much.
So anyway, that was Coming Back Around by John Powell. So I just, to finish up on John Powell's thing, I just want to say that you can really hear the Scottish influence at the end of that piece. And me and Shannon were talking as the piece was playing and it is just so inspiring. You'd be ready to go out and run a marathon after that, I think. It's actually really funny. Like if you were in here with us you would see us literally like just vibing the entire time like this is our type of club music yeah it's this kind of, is the hype music that we listen to yeah it's kind of low-key embarrassing but you can't see it we're the only ones who can see it so we don't really care <laughs> this is what this is what i think cork city is lacking this is what we need in reardon's mm-hmm. and conway's yard and secret garden the people need to speak about this, this kind think. of culture we need to bring this culture into the nightlife it's kind of underground it's kind of alternative <laughs> <laughs> yeah enough people just don't know of it yet but um we're spreading the word it's okay guys so anyway we're going to move on our very last composer of today and that is of course probably i want to say he's the greatest composer of our generation because he is someone once again, I feel people who've never watched films, they know him. There's people I've met who they've never they've never seen a Christopher Nolan film, they've never seen a James Bond film, and they'll still be like, Oh yeah, it isn't Hans Zimmer and it's like Yeah. How? Over hundred and fifty movies he's composed for and I think he's just getting better to be honest. It's insane. Yeah. It's a bit similar to John Williams when you think like The Lion King. I know. The Gladiator, Kung Fu Panda, my favourite. Mm-hmm. For sure, Kung Fu Panda is my favourite, but there are so many brilliant ones. Interstellar is brilliant. Gladiator is really good. And like John Powell, he really bl- brings in the cultural influence. And I was actually listening to him in an interview there the other day. And he was just, there, the question was about like, how do you tiptoe around that line of, you know, being true to the culture without being like, cultural appropriation exactly and it is quite difficult but i think what he was saying was that it's a subtext of the film it's something that the film can't say and like the lion king you know it's not real you know it's a kid's film so you have to take it with a pinch of salt but i think he balances that really really well and the cultural influence i think is handled really delicately but it's done in a way that it just feels really natural Mm-hmm. I really like the detail he does go into because I was reading for Kung Fu Panda he travelled over to China and I think he immersed himself in like the music there with different musicians and orchestras for about three months or something just to try get it right yeah and I think he really did get it right it is just a work of it's a masterpiece really I think the Kung Fu Panda soundtrack is just brilliant so yeah it's like one of those things you see on YouTube with like 37 million views and you're like, how does this happen? Yeah. This is an animated movie. Yeah. And even in the interview as well, he was talking about how, you know, when you're writing a song, like just a normal pop song, you start with a blank piece of paper. There is no background. There is nothing that is giving you any hints of what you should write about. But when you're doing a movie, when you're writing the soundtrack for a movie, you're given the title, you're given the, the genre, the background, so you have a base to work off of. And he was talking about that in context of when he was writing the film score for 12 Years a Slave. So obviously mm-hmm. that title, that history, it needs to be something really moving, something deeply emotional. Um, and I think he did that with a lot of his stuff. He used the title of a movie to really get into grips with what was actually going on. You know something really interesting about him? He's actually self-taught. Yes, I think I saw that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. Crazy. And he's a multi-instrumentalist as well. Like, it's, yeah. How can you be that good? It's just so I ridiculous. I know. It's, it's 
a work of genius, I think. It's just insane. I actually find it really encouraging, though, at the same time, because I feel like the idea that if you have the time, if you put enough time and effort into something, that's what you could become, like. Definitely, yeah. You know, the 10,000 hours makes yeah. you a like, professional. He's, I'd say, put in about 100,000 hours now at this stage. Mm-hmm. I'd say he's just, it's his life and it's his love. And I think it, that really comes across in his music that you can, you know that he's doing what he loves and it's so passionate and everything is so different. There's no, I would say that, you know, for Thomas Newman, there's kind of that common theme but I think for Hans Zimmer, everything is so different. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it really special. Nothing, No two soundtracks are the same. I think the only thing that differs Hans Zimmer, I think he was one of the first composers to actually use electrical instruments. He puts a lot of emphasis on the electric guitar in his songs, yeah. which is amazing. Like, it's just not as in, like, wow, he's so groundbreaking using the electric guitar it just sounds really good like yeah you can really hear it in Pirates of the Caribbean Mm -hmm. and it just adds a bit of like extra intensity to the music which you need for a movie about pirates you know you need that intensity and you need that kind of movement and the difference between the different themes and stuff it really comes across in the use of electronic instruments yeah it was the same in um, Time Inception I saw him last year in concert and he was just strumming out the guitar on yeah. stage just vibing and it was like yes hands go on mm. definitely would recommend if you're seeing him for a live show if you can he's back in dublin again this year in may so he's doing exams for me so i can't go <laughs> that's such but a pain i know i actually wanted to ask you just before we move on to our last songs plural you heard it right you said earlier this episode that you found a specific song by him connected so yes I really found a deep connection to his Kung Fu Panda soundtrack. One in particular, which we're, which we're going to play in a second, Uguay Ascends. That really struck a chord with me when my granddad passed away in 2018. And I listened to that piece of music religiously around that whole time. Because, you know, in the movie... It's the big, it's the, like, the granddad, he's like, he's got all this wisdom, he's got all this knowledge, and he's passed away, and in the movie you can see all, like, the petals floating up and around and whatever, and that scene really struck a chord to me at that time, because that was who my granddad was for me, he was this, like, big idol and superstar, and he had so much wisdom and knowledge, and... Everyone in my family learned so much from him and that piece of music struck a chord with me at that time and I listened to that multiple times a day. It was just... And, like, me and my cousins love Kung Fu Panda. Like, when we were younger, we used to, like, pretend we were the characters and we'd have a great laugh. So there is a family connection to that film. And, yeah, I listened to it religiously and that's what I think is so special about music, that you get these emotions and attachments to something through music that you don't get through words or through art. It's like a whole world differently, and it's just great. It just transports your brain back. Definitely, yeah. I remember, because I was studying for the junior center at the time, and I just left the books behind, and I was just sitting there in my room listening to this piece of music, and when we play it, you'll know exactly what I mean. It's so nostalgic, and it's so moving. And you really get the Chinese influence as well with the use of the air hu, which is the instrument that's used in that. So I really, yeah, deep personal connection. Yeah. Do you think that song was a source of comfort for you? I don't even know. I think it was just, it reminded me of when I was younger and all my cousins were like playing around and my granddad was there. And I don't know, it just whatever 
connotation I had with that song. And even now when I listen to it, it reminds me of my granddad. And I think it's really nice to have that in a song. And it's not anything sad. I mean, everyone passes away eventually. And he was 89, so he lived a good long life. But I think... It is nice to have a connection with something like that because it brings you back to that time and it's a way of remembering those things. So, yeah. That's actually a really powerful story. I expected you were going to tell me a different memory, but I'm actually really glad that you shared that with us. That was really nice to hear. So thank you. Just as a quick note before we go into our last two songs, I don't really have any story as interesting as that, but the second song is probably the main thing. I think, I don't know, for some period during, I think it was the summer after, the summer of my junior search, I remember listening to it again and again, ended up inspiring about 80% of the things I've come up with, and that seems like a ridiculous number, but it's actually true. I find film music to be such a good way for visualising things and creating things, and it's so strange because it's not the source of your own creativity, it's someone else's creativity, but um, I think it just shows the power of it, because there's so much I wouldn't have done today if I just hadn't listened to these songs, so... I just think it shows the power of composers and film music and scores. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, definitely. I think there's something, as I've said, I don't even countless times throughout this whole thing, there is something that can't be said with words, and that is movie music. And yeah, I think this next piece from the Kung Fu Panther soundtrack will really understand what we've been talking about for the past, I don't like, hour and a half Mm -hmm. of how powerful these pieces of music can really be and just and just as a note our last song will be quite a different song by Hans Zimmer No Time for Caution from the Interstellar soundtrack which is definitely a bit more upbeat but is equally just as powerful so I hope you guys really enjoy both of them
Okay, so how are we feeling? Really good. That was really moving and deep and powerful. Yeah, guys, this has actually been a really therapeutic episode for us. We've yeah. just been vibing for like an hour, so <laughs> you're just here for the ride, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, there was just something that I wanted to add about the Interstellar soundtrack, that when Christopher Nolan asked Hans Zimmer to compose the piece of music, he didn't tell Hans Zimmer anything about the movie that he was going to be composing for. He just gave him a few lines of the script, and from that, Hans Zimmer created the soundtrack to the movie and Christopher Nolan did this because he wanted to give Hans Zimmer like full he just wanted to see where Hans would go with the script and with the music um, and it was like really independent and an organic process of composing the music but he found that Hans had created the perfect soundtrack for the movie because you know you hear sci-fi you think oh it's going to be like an action movie but it's for a sci-fi film it's actually a lot more deep than that Mm -hmm. and the storyline is very deep and I think you know the soundtrack really reflects that entirely I think I read this before I'm not sure if it's true but I'm pretty sure the seconds in this song or another correspond to the amount of seconds they spend there's a planet in the film and it's like every second you spend there every Mm -hmm. minute you spend there is so many other years back it's like yeah it's like every minute is seven years or something Mm -hmm. I think it might be in another song called yeah, yeah, because I remember that in the movie they were on the planet and it was just water and there was a huge wave would come every once in a while and they had to get out of there before the wave came. I remember the exact moment in the, in the movie. Yeah, yeah, I think each second in the song corresponded to a minute in the movie which ended up corresponding to the amount of time they were yeah. losing back home. I mean, that's a work of genius, really. I love that. So like, technical. Yeah, and you wouldn't know these things are like almost actual lore to the entire story. But yeah. No one's ever going to find out because obviously no one's going to be telling you unless you look them up. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Hans Zimmer. I don't know, is he or John Williams going to be considered the greatest of all time? But I personally would prefer his soundtracks. I think he's amazing. Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's like. Personally, I think Hans Zimmer has something a lot more dynamic and not original, but like, I feel it's a lot more intricate. I think John Williams, what he did, and while I love a lot of his compositions, I think he's taking a really simple idea and making it a work of art. But then Hans Zimmer is taking something really complex. So it it is completely different. I mean, if you listen to like Jaws, it's just two notes over and over again. But he's able to build that sense of anticipation. But then Hans Zimmer's stuff is kind of, I feel like it's a lot more intricate. There's a lot more going on. And I don't know, is that because it's now the 21st century? He has more options in what instruments he can use, how much he can travel to create the pieces of music. And the budgets is obviously gone higher but I just I personally prefer anyway the soundtracks composed by Hans Zimmer Mm -hmm. I just think there's something about his music that's transcendental like there's I don't know how you can replicate that feeling to music I don't know how he does Mm. it but I think Time is the biggest example I think Time is a song that most people would know or any yeah from Inception yeah from Inception and any of the songs from Interstellar like they just make you feel some type of way which shouldn't be possible with just music but it is so yeah i don't think there will be another like him for a very long time 
I know, I certainly can't see any people coming through the cracks. Maybe that's because himself and John Powell have really monopolised the whole soundtrack industry. I'm pretty sure he low-key has. I think he has worked with, like, every yeah. composer at some stage, but, like, why wouldn't you? If he came up to me tomorrow and he's like, hey, Shannon, do you want to compose some soundtracks? And I'd be like, no bother, yeah. I'll be right on it. Yeah. I just think I feel very lucky that I get to be alive during, like, a generation where I can listen to him, you know? And see him live. And see him live, yeah. Yeah. Guys, get your tickets. Yeah. This is actually secretly a plug for Hans Zimmer's new Once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. Go see him in, don't even see him in Ireland. See him in like Prague. That's what I'm doing. I I refuse to see him in Ireland because I think it would ruin it. Because <laughs> Dublin is not it. Let's be real. I'm not going to the three arena to go and see Hans Zimmer. If I'm seeing him at all, it's going to be somewhere foreign, an open air thing. Prague preferably, but I would also settle for... Somewhere else, but as long as it's not in Ireland, I don't care. I love it. You want the Coliseum. She's not settling. Oh my God, the Coliseum would be fantastic. (laughs) I think it's all about the location. I mean, I think it would ruin it. Now, okay, you have gone to see him in Three Arena. That's true, but it's funny you say that because while the concert was amazing, I was sitting next to this guy and he spent the whole concert like as if he was the composer, like moving his hands up and down like this. That's really bizarre. I would do that in my room <laughs> by myself. And I was like staring at him the whole time. I was like, is he going to stop? He kept doing it. And I think the funny thing as well was he was doing it out of time. Yeah, that's bad. Like if the music went up, his hands would go down. Like yeah. he was really getting into it. It was one of the strangest experiences I've ever had and I was there with my mom and my sister and both of them didn't notice it because they were there but yeah, then yeah. he was next to me and I just waving his hand yeah. at the entire concert like. so I, I don't blame True Arena in particular for that but I do while I do love that night I do think of it a lot I also think equally as much of the man beside me who felt like who was living his main character moment yeah. you know yeah, I think I would wait and see him in a more special place. I just, because I, I feel like I would only go and see him once. Now, if the first time that I saw him was bad, I would see him a second time to make up for it. But I am taking the fact that I'm going to see him in Prague, in an open-air concert, once in a lifetime opportunity, only time I'll see him, and it's going to be fantastic, and that's just the way that it's going to be. I like yeah. how you're taking pride in this thing that yeah. hasn't happened yet. You're like, oh, guys, I I'm feel like so I've been there already. I've listened yeah. to his stuff so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I suppose that closes off our episode today. So thank you so much for listening in. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I have. I really enjoyed this episode. Not that I did not enjoy the other two. I thought they were great, but this was just such a fun episode for me I was just like vibing in here the whole time like dancing not really the music to dance to but I made it work so this was this was very enjoyable and I think we had a great time and I think it shows in the podcast hopefully and if you've made it this far fair play because I feel like we're the two biggest nerds when it comes to this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so if you've made it this far fair play and I really do hope you've enjoyed it if you've come this far wait for what happens in the next 20 minutes like we could be going off the rails or something <laughs> no I'm joking we're done we have other things to do like lectures and things like that so yeah we'll be heading off now do you have any parting words Erin? yeah I just would like to add that hopefully after listening to this you because sometimes when you're watching a movie you become unaware about the music and it was only after really that I discovered Hans Zimmer that I appreciated the music and it makes movies so much like more enjoyable so I would just implore you to just pay a bit more attention to the music in a movie while you're watching it because it does make a difference and I just yeah that's all I have to say perfect that's great to hear and I'd just like to say that I hope you guys derived as much enjoyment from this episode as we did I hope 
the music maybe unlock something for you the same way it did for us and I really hope you one day find the composer who can do the exact same thing for you because I feel very privileged and lucky to be able to hear these people on the daily just through Spotify and they have influenced my life they've influenced the way I create they influence the way I do things like music is such an amazing thing and I'm so glad that I have in my life so yeah guys that's everything next week I will be talking with the if the nominated director Connor McMahon for his film let the wrong one in which I saw a month ago and is absolutely brilliant and you guys should definitely see and I can't wait to talk to him because he is so cool and he's such a lovely guy as well so that's on the agenda for next week but I really hope you guys enjoy this episode once again and that you'll tune in for another one so thanks for everything guys bye